guys, 360 Digital Closing Bell here. I am your humble, humble correspondent, Michael Tanner, coming to you from an undisclosed location here in Denver, Colorado, on a beautiful Friday, May 29th, for our week look back in energy episode number 20. Whoop, whoop, we've made it 20 episodes. That's about 10 weeks, and we and we really are excited to continue to deliver 200 more episodes. We're going to be here for a while, so thank you for all the support. We have a great show lined up for you today. We're going to talk, we're going to whip around the oil field and cover the stories that happened this week. We're going to check in, as always, with the EIA and the oil levels. We're going to check to see how the 360 fund is doing. But first, I need to bring in the executive producer of the show, the director and publisher of the world's greatest website, www.oilandgas360, Stuart Turley. Stu, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing fantastic. It's a beautiful day in Dallas, and we got lots going on. Oh, we do have a lot, a lot going on. And before we get into everything, I need to tell you a little bit about our friends at Adamantine Energy and Tisha Shula. Adamantine Energy is the leading consultancy that's helping oil and gas companies prepare for all of this socialist. They're led, as mentioned, by friend of the show, an awesome, awesome person, Tisha Shula. She's the former CEO of the Colorado Oil and Gas Association. Adamantine Energy, what their specialty is, is guiding companies just like yours, if you're an executive, to help expo- to help explore your exposure to social risk. We had a really big you know we talked about esg last episode it could not be more critical to understand where you stand in the esg and social risk platform this company companies that are going to thrive over the next decade we promise you they're integrating social risk into their planning if you are not already subscribed to tish's weekly emails you need to do that because guess what your competitors are you can find everything and how to subscribe and everything adamantine energy at www.energythinks.com dot com we love 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 adamantine and all that they do first you also we, we really just love subscribe to the show do whatever make the algorithms go nuts spotify itunes twitter all the socials find us oil and gas 360 we launched um the oil and gas 360 news Desk, which is probably one of my favorite twitter accounts that's just launched you can find it oa new oag 360 underscore news probably my favorite twitter account like i said it's basically repurposing all of the feeds um, that you can find on the world's greatest website, www.oilandgas360.com. You can also check out the Energy 360 Network by Intercom, which is the leading place for energy and thought for energy thought leadership. Excuse me, and and really, it's just an awesome interview. You see everybody from your, your all the people from Intercom. I'm a host, Aaron Vanifor, Dan Genevieve, Stuart Turley. You get to see a little bit of me in those interviews. We are dropping some really we had, we had a really great interview actually today with Heidi McKillop, which will be out in a, I think a week and a half. But it was an awesome interview. I left complete. I love the interviews, Stu, where you leave energized from the you know sometimes interviewing someone is a uh, it takes a little bit out of you but there's nothing but you leave an interview and you're fired up i know i left that one from that oh she was that was a fun one and when she left the interview she was like you guys are great yeah no it's it's always good to, to get some good feedback but i definitely left energized next wednesday in my opinion though we are dropping what is wednesday by the way i want to get that right so everybody can see this it's June 3rd, we're going to be dropping an interview with the author of The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels, Alex Epstein. Still, I think, the best interview we did. Hi- Heidi was a, is this probably number two. Well, Tisha's number one, obviously. We love when we interviewed Adam and Teen Energy. we got to put that away. Number two is definitely Alex, which we'll be dropping Wednesday. Like I said, he's The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels. I'd highly recommend reading that book. You can find it on Amazon.com. 
com. Basically, what it does is it looks is it is it takes the same stance as, as when we interviewed Gregory Wrightson, which is low cost, affordable, scalable energy is a what's brought us out of poverty and what might and what will continue to lead us into the future. It was awesome. We chatted everything. We chatted with 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 him about the planet of humans and his take on that. You can check him out his YouTube stuff. On Monday, though, which is Monday, June first, we're going to be talking. Uh, you'll be seeing an interview with Crossroads Advisory Group. That was with Stu and Aaron Vanderford, who's the president of Entercom. That was a, it was a wild interview. We're going to be cutting that up post-production um, this this weekend. And really what they do is they help companies, mid to, to, to large cap EMP companies, uh, get through debt restructuring. We know that's, you know, unfortunately that bankruptcy in Chapter 11 is going to be a big part of what's happening moving forward in the energy patch. So you check out those guys if you have any questions on bankruptcy. I think that's everything for Clerical Works. Do I miss anything? Any other interviews that we've got coming out? You can find that, obviously, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, 360 Digital Closing Bell, Energy 360 Manager. Subscribe, subscribe. Do whatever makes the algorithms go nuts. We got more coming. We've got them lined, rack packed, and stacked. Yeah, I love that. Rack packed and stacked. And, and I think right now what we need to do is just go ahead and, and, and shift gears and whip around the oil patch to kind of cover the stories that happened this week. I've got four stories that I wanted to hit. Stu's got some stuff for the international news desk. I think the, you know, the first thing that actually happened today, BPX chief David Lawler, who is running BPX Energy, which is obviously the lower 48 part of BP. He got promoted now. He's also going to be running and he's going to be now president and chairman of BP America. So he's going to get all of the upstream and now be in charge of the midstream and downstream portions of that business. As we know, um, as part of their restructuring, the BP went from 200 uh, senior executives in their what's called their tier one and tier two leadership. They dropped it now down to 100. And uh, as part of that, David Lowler gets promotion um, and will be running BPX Energy. I have the opportunity. I actually had the opportunity to meet him offhandedly about a year and a half ago. He's an awesome guy. Uh, I was. Uh, I was. Yeah, they have beautiful offices down on Platt Street. Um, here in Denver, they're, they're they're gorgeous. They're they're right across the street from what I, I can imagine is an empty WeWork building now, right there off Platt. Denver Beer Company's right there. Um, I can only imagine um, that we, we BP should have just should just get that WeWork office and start storing oil there. I saw it was one of the best memes I've seen about this was back when all of the storage issues were happening, but it was uh, it, it was basically a meme of saying we should just go find empty WeWork offices and store oil in them. I, it was one of the few things. It was one of those few things you read online that actually makes you LOL or laugh out loud. Um, I was I, I I was loving it. Um, the other thing that, I, that that happened sort of in in the corporate major world when you consider the EMPs, Exxon survives a shareholder resolution um, that was basically aimed at splitting the chairman and the CEO title. Um, away. The reason why that was happening is actually some climate activists were expecting, were attempting to do that in order to sort of broaden and, 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 and make it more accountable on climate risk. What was nice is they tried this last year. It was a 41% approval down all the way to 32%. So if you're on the, 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 the corporate side um, and enjoying and what Darren Woods is doing at Mobile, this was a win for him. Luckily, Influential Proxy Advisor Institutional Shareholder Services were one of the largest investors um, within um, Exxon voted against it. So did BlackRock, who is the number two. Um, um, excuse me, BlackRock was actually in favor of pinning it, which is good because they're the number two shareholder on the list. Um, this is a big thing that I think is going to be coming up, and I think this is this is the side that that specifically, if if you, if you're an, an executive in an EMP company. 
know, this is why you need to hire somebody like like Adam and T Energy and Tisha Shuley because these this is the stuff that you can't see coming and you have, can have very little control over. Especially if you're a public company and you're subjugated to your board, you may not have a choice to do stuff like this. So especially that you know, you know you know for Exxon, if you're on the corporate side, this is great. But but this is only going to continue to happen. There's actually there's a great database out there from SIRS, and actually I'm a little I'm a little peeved by them. I've been working on them for months trying to get their their data sent to me. But basically what SIRS is is it's a online database that, that that has every single shareholder resolution um within the energy space available for pulling so you can go in and look at any public company because you have to disclose if there's a resolution being pumped and all that jazz and if it and if it's been public if it's any 10 q's or if it's if, if it's been posted as any action they took it they, they took board votes on it's logged within serve and you can so you can actually kind of see over time and that's that's one of the really cool things you can go look at is is, is how has the shareholder resolutions what is what what is what have large institutions shifted from caring about? And you can definitely tell recently ESG has become something they have made a large amount of votes on. Um, and, and I recommend go looking at it right now. Um, the, 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 there's two the, there's two final things that, that, that sort of dropped this week that I think we need to update people on. First is there was a, a really great article that's up on Oil and Gas 360 right now. Is It was a Bloomberg article that's, that, that was originally an opinion article. I think this dropped the 24th so i think it was monday or sunday night um is when this dropped and 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 really i mean this was one of the first of all this is one of the craziest articles i've ever read there was two facts that i want to pull from you that just that, that put honestly put me in stew on the floor and the title of the article is a bloomberg article is swift production declines may keeps shale operators oil rebound on sidelines and honestly i don't like the title i liked it when i read it inside my head and then i read it out loud i just didn't like it um basically what the article talks about was how this drop in drilling how it actually affects what oil production does and then and, and and one of the biggest thing that happened is 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 new wells is, is as as we would all understand new wells that are drilled come on high oil rates they come on very high and they come on ferociously but there's the other sort of backside of that where I don't think a lot of people talk about, which is the massive decline in a shale well. Yes, it turns on at maybe 3,000 barrels a day, but within six months, it's down to 200 barrels a day. Within a year, it's steadily at 100 barrels a day, and that's what you get the whole time. So, I mean, that is... I think it's, it's, it's sort of the backside, and that's what this article brings up, the idea of how, A, how quickly... Um, dramatically shale wells uh, peter out um, but secondly how much new production or new drilling how much that actually adds in continuing this this uh, hamster wheel that is shale oil production I, the, the, the first quote that really knocked me off was this is an ex this is just an I this is just an example of how quickly a shale well peters out and this is this is what they, they used in the in, in the article so I like to use the phrase here so to get an idea so this is the quote to get an idea of how dramatically shale wells peter out consider this less than 20% of this year's expected drop in overall crude U.S. output will come from shuttering existing wells or wells that are already driven, according to IHS Market Kit. Rather, the vast majority of the supply drop will be a direct result of canceled drilling projects, which is crazy to think about, that in order not only to sustain production, but just to not have production fall off a table. We have to continue to add rigs because the longer a well is on, the less oil it's going to produce. Here's the other fact that absolutely is crazy. Let me find it here because I don't want to botch it. Where is it? It was literally right here. 
This is what happened right here. Here we go. This, this is here. This is what happens when you. Uh, we're not cutting this, by the way, because we 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 keep, we keep it live. If you're watching on YouTube, by the way, which is not many, so I don't mind saying this. My the green screen behind me is getting pounded by light. Um, um, we but... waited too far. Michael, we are getting fabulous views on uh, Oil and Gas 360. So, oh, I love it. I love yeah, it. Well, good. If you're a lot watching of people there, are going to be seeing it. They're the world's greatest website, www.oilandgas360. So, I apologize if you're watching on video. It's just we waited a little late, obviously, inside base. We waited a little late on Thursday afternoon. So, we got the sun going down. It's a beautiful Colorado, Denver night. But here's the second fact within this article that shocked me. Such is America's reliance on new drilling and new drilling to continue the, the, and maintain the level of production that we have that 55% of countries of the country's sale production. So to give you an idea, EIA numbers dropped today. Spoiler alert, U.S. oil production down to 11.4 million barrels or about down 100,000 barrels week to week. But think about it. So, so 11, let's just call it an even 11 million barrels and we'll call it 50% of the country's sale production. Um, uh, and, and we'll say the stat was 50. So what's that? Six, yeah, five and a half? So we're five and a half million barrels equivalent, basically, of the country's U.S. shale production are from wells that are drilled in the past 14 months. Wow. That I, I don't know when you heard that. I, it took me off my shoes. When, when you heard that, what, what was your first reaction? Um, wow. Uh, last year when uh, Harold Hamm was at uh, Intercom, and said that we will be below 400 rigs, everybody in the room just took a gasp now mm -hmm. we are yeah no it's it's absolutely un, unbelievable and so, and so that's where this idea of the hangover effect and yes while you know in in times of need and basically the, the you know I'd, I'd recommend reading this article because you know really the quote was you know we have no new drilling and these decline curves are going to catch up eventually so in six months when we try to turn these wells back on they're not going to come on, uh, on at their highest rate but also we're not going to be drilling at all so we're going to see we're going to continue to see a huge decline in the amount of production not because people are shut in but just because there's no drilling in all of these wells that are already on a decline i just thought it was an unbelievable article and i highly recommend you checking it out on oil and gas 360.com and along that note is sort of sort of the last i think thing to put a cap on this week this is sort of the first week that we've seen constant 30 dollar oil and i think the big the big topic has been ooh, is, is 30 dollars the number that i mean i that turns these shut-ins back on is it the number that i've heard some crazy thing is is it drilling weather is it drilling pricing which no it's not drilling weather right now um um, you know, we, we've, we've still got one frat crew that that's driving around in, uh, in North Dakota. I was, I was actually at the intercom offices this morning and me and, uh, Aaron were talking, it's like those, those other, th those people on that frat crew either better be rookies getting, you know, who are just trying to learn and, and breaking in crews who need some experience or it better be the Michael Jordan of frat crews. It, it better be nine yep. killers up there slinging pipe or some rookies getting some experience. If it's just mid tier guys, ugh, it's, it'll kill me. Um, we, we have a good crack about a good crack about that, but but that's the question I've been getting a lot is is, is are we going to see activity picking back up, and what does the landscape at thirty dollars look like? And I'm going to defer because this is again not quite my area of expertise. There's a great, great, great 
week it's a bi-weekly newsletter you should sign up for reservereport.substack.com or i think it's substack.reservereport.com i don't remember how substack does their uh does their urls but search reserve report it's about a guy matthew sarah he's an awesome awesome guy I've the opportunity to talk with him a couple times he's brilliant he puts out really a, a overview of what's going on in the energy markets from a trader's perspective so obviously that gets me going and he had been running this case study through the past oh four or five months looking at different operators to come to the idea of what wells work at thirty dollars and what wells don't and he did it you know the, the the actual way you should he took different pads he grouped those wells together he found their ip and he ran to clankers and calculated pv10 or present value of, uh, of 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 their best stuff and what he found is at thirty dollars and, and and he did this for for uh six companies and and there was a couple things that that noted before we get into to the results was one he calls them rules of the game one sunk costs are sunk and they're excluded it's it's you've already paid for it so why would you exclude that we're using 2019 vintage wells and just including a flat thirty dollar at the wellhead which is key it's not w wti yes but this is wti at the wellhead or what the operator is getting he looked at six companies diamondback concho continental parsley oxy pioneer big players here he didn't just look at small cap he's a big 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 independent players looked at about oh i want to do the math one two three four five six seven seven times forty um, 280. Look at 280 wells, about 40 per operator, and the average PV10 was negative 3.0. Brutal. So to answer the question of what wells work at $30, zip, zilch, nada. Now maybe new wells being drilled because of, as we mentioned in in, in the in the earlier article, because of their insanely high turn-on rate. Maybe a month or two, you break even at $30. But once that decline gets so below, that's what kills you. And that's where you need $40, $50, sometimes even $55 barrels of oil. You know, uh, he goes on to mention that, and, and his analysis is, if you're not hedged completely at $55, why are you drilling at all? I don't necessarily go that far. I think they're... You know, because of you know when we talk about the the, the, the decline and, and and that there needs to be some drilling that act to actually just continue to sustain the amount of production that we have so we don't actually see a drop a just a, a gradual drop because that would be a huge blow to energy security talk about a huge to get us reliant on on, on, on the global energy so just to kind of give you an idea this is a you know of some data thirty dollars is is not that you know the the outlook is better than than, than obviously twenty ten and and negative thirty seven dollar oil, but it's still still not quite the best, and we still need to see a little bit bump up in order for some of these profitabilities to turn on. Stu, what do you have at the international news desk for us? Um, hey, uh, just a bunch of things going on, but I'll tell you one of the biggest things that we had cooking was um, uh, this article that came back through and. The COVID has caused so much worldwide uh, issues that uh, not only has it uh, slowed down demand, uh, not only has it caused all the major disruptions in world economies, um, the EIA, on a side note, released today that in the last 130 years, this was the first time mm -hmm. that renewables had outperformed coal last year. This is the lowest output for CO2 because of COVID. Okay. Well, let's wrap all that, wrap your head around that. We're now at COVID. We're now international. 
and we're now worldwide with this article and the COVID crisis is hurting the coal industry with investment in coal supply set to fall by one quarter this year, but that does not pose the existential threat. Uh, part of the mm. problem is China is firing up coal plants left and right, and it's because of cheap energy. The whole financial squirrel has rolled around. They don't have any money, and they're building coal plants yeah. like you won't believe. Guess what's going to happen? We may be going no, no coal. They're going all coal. Oh, I think it's the, 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 the pun intended dirty little secret about what's going to happen with this coronavirus is the reliance that we're going to fall back on to. If, if, if you are anti-coal, this is the worst thing that could happen to you. If you are, if you are renewable, if you are hardcore into renewable energies, I don't think this, this virus does you any favors due to the fact that, I mean, we, we, we ran this on the closing bell, 40 million people since March are out of a job they're not going to be looking for how can we spend as much money as possible on energy. It is how can we save as much as possible. So no, I think you've hit the nail on the head. And, and, and unless you're a company is extremely proactive about doing it, I think it's going to be very tough to see uh, renewables continue. And especially a lot of these, these uh, ESG projects that were maybe on the brink. I, I think the large cap companies see, you know, Exxon, your, your, your majors, they're going to continue to invest in ESG because they have, they have the ability to do that. Your 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 small to mid caps are not that 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 got cut along with their employee base. But uh, we have had the different shows though where uh, finance and capital are all tied to ESG. ESG is tied to whether or not you're going to be using renewables, quote unquote. It's it's yeah it's it's a it's, it's a swirl. Well, it's a fine line, and it's it's both things can be true. From our one of our one of our our favorite pieces, tissue store, that's one of her biggest things. Is both things can be true. You can you can ESG can exist within oil and gas, and and, and it's definitely definitely true. And no, you're right. And, and so actually, I think going forward, it's gonna be very interesting to see how all of this plays out. I recommend checking out our episode on Monday, which we have a really deep dive into what's going on in the ESG space. You can find that iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, three sixty digital closing bell i think it's time to go ahead and move over into the levels for oil trading and as always this segment is sponsored by our friends at sandstone capital group these guys provide insanely good research and all of the stuff you find from the, this podcast from research has done and is provided via their energy glimpse solution if you have any questions on what's going on in the energy markets just call them 949-561-1818 or get a hold of them connor at sandstonecg.com mention the podcast it's the only way we get credit we appreciate you reaching out to them but if you do not mention the podcast we do not get credit looking at oil this week i mean I, you know if, if you listen to my show on monday i i was i was a bear on oil i thought 30 to 30 to 27 dollars was the target range oil gain this week um it was down today but we, we saw a nice nice uptick in oil about a two percent uptick three percent up on the week to 30 uh, closing um currently at 33.63 right now as, as, as we're recording this thursday night um, so it'll be very interesting to see what happens, obviously, moving forward today as you're listening to this. Um, but Pivot Point's currently sitting at 3401. So, I mean, to give you an idea, that's where the majority of the volume traded this week, which was 
Good, 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 good number to see. I mean, we haven't seen a pivot point at $34. I remember two weeks ago, three weeks ago, our pivot point was $17. And we were wondering if we were going to see $20 anytime soon. So even the fact that we're up here, $30, $33, it'll give hopefully these companies who are close to going into bankruptcy, hopefully give them enough cash to continue to survive and, and maybe avoid Chapter 7 and, and at least do some Chapter 11 where you can come out of it with some... Uh, Come out of it with definitely um, 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 some rebrand. Um, thirty-four, thirty-six is really the top. I'm not seeing anything above that. Like I said, above thirty-four, ninety-one, no one really knows. We didn't see that this week. Um, it's a very spicy level above thirty-five dollars. Um, that's where we saw the gap down. So you know, obviously last week my bias was bear. I was wrong. But if you are a bear this week, thirty-two, uh, seventy-three is the other base is almost the other the point of control it just beat it just got beat out by 3401 huge chunk of volume to the downside so i wouldn't be surprised if maybe tomorrow we saw 3273 i wouldn't necessarily excuse me if you're listening to this on friday i wouldn't be surprised if oil's trading down to that level today especially off a bearish eia um 3149 i think is is, is your low cap in terms of really i think we're range bound 34 to 31 I have, you know, I'm I'm about ready to put my stamp on that prediction, but we'll come back to it later. I I, I think 34 to 31 is going to be a nice tight range that you, especially if you're day trading, you can look at his easy entrance points at 31, exit points at 35. Um, as mentioned, the EIA dropped Thursday or today, um, this morning due to the fact that Monday was a holiday. EIA government shut down as they should be. I took the day off. Digital closing bell took the day off. So can the government. That's the rule we've got. So uh, they dropped their numbers today at nine Mountain Standard Times. So just remember that if you are a trader, Monday markets close. Remember they push back to Thursday, and they don't do it at eight thirty because at eight thirty on Thursday, natural gas inventories drop. They wait till nine o'clock to drop the DOE inventory. Trust me, I've been sitting. I the first time I did that, I sat at my computer was waiting. I was like, "What's going on here? We're thirty minutes late. What's going on here?" So um, just remember they push it back to nine o'clock Mountain Standard Time, ten. Uh, uh, AM uh, Central Standard Time for all of our Texas folks. Really great numbers. I mean, DOE crude total up 8 million barrels or 7.9 versus a 1.5 million uh, barrel draw last week. Distillate demand, though, this was awesome. Down a half a million barrels to 3.3 million barrels, uh, excuse me, billion barrels per day. Uh, distillate gasoline demand, which was up 0.5 million barrels per day, which is another another great sign that people are starting to get back to work. Cushing crude stocks, though, which is really where that bottleneck happened and, and, and what happened for negative pricing. It's down 3.4 million barrels to 53.5. So it's just about to get in within its five-year range, which is a great, great sign for crude stocks. Domestic production down 100,000 barrels, as mentioned, to 11.4 million barrels. And, and you know, that number, you know, if, if, if that article that you that on Oil & Gas 360 specifically talking about the decline rates, if, if, if that analysis stands true, which I have no doubt to think it won't, we you know tw- you know twelve four twelve five which was the maximum um, oil production by the EIA you know if 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 you believe some of the other statistics out there you know the EIA they think missed about a million to a million and a half barrels of production just due to their counting methods so you know maybe thirteen to fourteen million barrels is actually the production we're never going to see that again for a while um, especially taking into account these declines I I, I think. You know, if, if you're somebody who is, has been a contractor for, for, for production for a while and has been preaching for it, I think you are in luck. And I think that really covers oil from a technical side. Next week for me, you know, there's just a lot of volume to the downside. I don't see us popping above $35. So the fact that, you know, sitting here Thursday night as we record this, oil's 30 
you know, 33.64. I don't see it closing above 35. If it does, I think it's going to pop significantly. Um, so I just, and I just don't see that in the cards. If anything, I, uh, you know, I, I missed the bull train this week. I don't think I'm going to get on it this week. You never chase the trade. So I'm going to stick with my bear um, assumption moving into the weekend. But I would love to see how, you know, especially this trading day goes and, and see how we enter this week. I will give you my bias Monday before the market opens. I think it's time to check in with our 360 official, not official fund. But before we do this, as always, the lawyers make us say this little blurb so we don't get sued. This segment, as always, is for entertainment purposes only. Everybody on this show, Michael Tanner, Stuart Turley, we invest for our own account and we do not manage any outside money. We do not give investment advice and we do not offer securities or have any involvement in the regulated side of the industry. Remember, risk investing is risky and you can and will lose all of your principal. Trust me, it is too easy to get wiped out if you need to know if you really want to get in on doing this don't you know don't take advice from this show listen we keep you completely informed but remember all the stuff we give you is just our personal picks Stu, how's your stuff doing this week uh not real good uh been so, there before so don't worry but i, I uh, did come across the uh, international news desk on one company uh, they are, it's Fling, F-L-N-G, and they are a shipbuilder for uh, LNG, and they just announced their earnings today, and yeah. I went through their financials. Looks pretty good. I'm going to keep my eyeball on Fling, F-L-N-G, to see the chart looks like it's not in all of the technicals yet, but uh, looks like it's coming along. Good to know. How's Tomcat doing? Uh, he's sitting on the sidewalk. Uh, he's just waiting for uh, next week. That's never good when Tomcat's out of it and I'm over trading the markets because I'm taking out one. I, t- I took out at the beginning of Monday as obviously I took out a short ACL contract to bring us up to two uh, or bring us up to, to two uh, CL contracts or, or two crude contracts on the short side. My target was 27 bucks. I, I, I'm doubling down, and we're going three contracts on the short side. Uh, I'm rolling some, you know, Bonanza Creek's been a big winner for me right now. I, I, I just don't see oil going above $34, $35. I really see $30 to, to $27 as, as, as a good range when I look at when I look at all the stuff. So I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. Um, Natty Gas broke even for my side of the portfolio today. I've been giving all of our experts um, a hard time for, for having me lose money, but we finally broke even on that one and, and are seeing some green light there. So, so we're, my side of the portfolio was, 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 was pretty flat this week. Oil lost a little bit. Natty gas gained a little bit, but I'm doubling down on the crude oil side. I think we're going to see $30 this week and you guys can hold me to that next Friday. Anything else before I just, you know, we, we, we had a howitzer of a show on Monday, uh, for a very special Memorial day. So I think, um, I don't really have anything else. We're going to kind of keep it short today. Stu, anything that we missed here that we got to cover uh, what happened last week in oil? Um, you know, I, I'll tell you what, there's a, still a lot to happen. And uh, mm-hmm. keep an eye on Putin. Uh, keep an eye on the LNG from Russia. They're uh, putting the pipe. They're trying to finish the uh, pipeline into Germany. Mm-hmm. Lots of worldwide oil and gas issues going on. No, and I think that's you know, I think for for the the month of March and the be you know, the first couple of weeks of May, I you know I thought the U.S. shale, 
you know, in the U.S. energy news side of it was much more explosive than the world side. But I think in the past three to four weeks, the dominant, dominant, dominant narratives and the things that have really moved the markets have happened in the international side. So it's it's been it's been really cool to see, um, especially that getting covered. Um, but yeah, I think I think the you know as we move forward, the international is only going to continue to to grow in its importance. But like I said, we're just over 30 minutes here, and, and since we took an hour and a half of your time on Monday, we like to keep these weekly podcasts under two hours total, so we're going to go ahead and let you guys get back to work. Thank you for checking out the 360 Digital Closing Bell here on Intercom and Oil & Gas 360. We will see you guys this afternoon for the Digital Ticket.